0: Welcome to Dave's Disney View podcast. A one-time cast member, a longtime visitor, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective on the Walt Disney World Resort. The music you're hearing on this podcast is actually from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. You can check him out at ReverbNation.com slash SoundA as an Apple, or MySpace.com slash SoundA. Craig does a number of different things. Uh, This particular piece is called A Major Suspension, Suspended Glory. So please do check him out, and we thank Craig for his music. Throughout the show, we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. So please keep your hands and arms inside the moving vehicle at all times, and enjoy the show. Thank you. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And my thanks to friend of the show, Doug, who's over at geekacres.net. You can head over to his site and be a geek like the rest of us. Hey, everyone, it's Dave. How are you doing? So, in the last couple of podcasts, I've been talking about eating food around Walt Disney World. And back in the early 1990s, a friend and I made a pact to try every restaurant on Walt Disney property. And, of course, you know, we had some goods and some bad, some good moments where we did really well and some moments where we didn't do as well. But I'd like to continue on that journey. We've talked about the uh, the resort loop there around the uh, Magic Kingdom, and we talked about the uh, Magic Kingdom itself. Now I'd like to move on and talk about the Disney MGM Studios, as they were called back in the day. When it first opened, the uh, Studios was a real working movie studio. And one of these days, I'll have to do a podcast all about that and some of the ins and outs and the fun things that used to go on there. And animation was really big, and uh, they had a giant operation that supported all the animated movies that Disney was turning out in the early 1990s. So it was actually fun to go there at the time. There's a period of time in like the late 1990s when it wasn't as much fun because they weren't turning anything out and they didn't have as many attractions and it wasn't as much fun. Now I think it's kind of returned to being a fun place to go. And to me, overall in the the MGM Studios, not to go too far down the path because like I say, I want to do a podcast about this. There always seemed to be something missing there. It just felt like it needed something more. At least that's the way I felt about it in my mind. I'm not saying it wasn't fun because it was, uh, and some of the attractions and shows were great but it just it was missing, missing like the great ride something that really hooked you now i know since then they've added the tower of terror and they put in the uh, aerosmith's um, rock and roller rock and roller coaster which are great um, but uh it was missing something up until that point but anyway back in the early 1990s one thing it did have was restaurants it had a lot of restaurants there were 13 of them there in the early 1990s um which really considering the size of the park is a rather large number. Um, The thing was, the theming was great in all of them. They did a really nice job of kind of theming them all up to meet up with the working movie studio motif. So let's uh, take a trip down memory lane and talk about the restaurants that were there. The easiest ones, Dinosaur Gertie's Ice Cream of Extinction. It was inside the giant dinosaur there at Echo Lake. Uh, It was an ice cream stand. Um, and uh, like many of the ice cream stands, it had a nice assortment. But I remember having some frozen treats that I never saw saw anywhere else. Something like a Slurpee or a slushy type of thing where it was uh, like a frozen drink and you didn't see that very many places and that was always kind of fun. The Echo Lake Produce was next to it and it was a fruit stand. They had some different things. I probably picked up an apple or something there. I remember going past it a number of times and talking about it. Starring Rolls was a bakery that featured chocolate chip cookies from the famous chip producer. Um, I'm sure I grabbed a baked good when I strolled by one morning, um, and cookies were yummy. That's what I remember, and that's uh, what I normally stop by to get. Studio Catering was a little stand at the end of New York Street that sold churros, which I picked up on my way to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show. Did I mention I was a fan of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? That was a lot of fun. That was a fun thing. Um, so those were kind of your quick service, really quick service restaurants that serve sort of snacks. Next, you had the counter service restaurants. So you had the Backlot Express over by Star Tours, um, which at the time was pretty good. The, the charbroiled hamburgers, hot dogs, and chicken were pretty tasty, as I recall. And I came by for several meals. You always had that feeling uh, that it was something uh, that was more like being in a studio Backlot. That one actually had that feel to it, where you're going in and you're going in the catering company that was maybe part of a studio. It had kind of a neat theme. I, I always enjoyed going in there. Um, at some point, it changed and became something else, and I don't even know if it's open now. I, I went by maybe a year or so ago, and it was closed, and I just don't remember um, them having much there. I, I don't remember it being open, so it could be closed now. I'm not sure. Uh, behind Superstar Television, there was the commissary. When it opened, I didn't care for the selection of food that they had there. Um, so I you know I ate there once or twice and was like, eh, but I went back again, and... Uh, it changed and it actually got better. I saw their menu was, uh, looked different than it was, so I tried it again and it was, uh, it was better. I actually kind of liked it. Then it changed again and got even better. So like by the time my tour was ending, I was like, hey, this place is pretty good. I'll go here all the time. Um, and I went back again, you know, back after I moved back to South Florida and I found it to be also still good when I went in there. Then I went again maybe a couple of years ago and I didn't like it. Um, it really wasn't all that good again. And then I went back again, like, maybe a year ago, and it was about the same as it had been, and I really it didn't work for me. Um, it had undergone a major change in the menu, and it just didn't really work. So, But that's okay. I mean, you know, at the time, it was, it was entertaining. Uh, so then you used to have this thing called the Soundstage Restaurant and Catwalk Bar. Um, the restaurant was a counter-service place that made you feel like you were in a movie studio. It's actually where um, the, uh, well, what is it now? It's the Playhouse Disney st- uh, st- stages, uh, it was actually a restaurant and bar in there, and it was kind of neat because it was really different. It was in this giant movie studio-like looking place, and they had it all painted up and themed, and it was pretty neat. Um, at one point, they uh, made it Aladdin-themed to try and fit in a little better, um, and he and Jasmine uh, would roam the restaurant periodically. Um, then they disappeared, but the uh, motif stayed the same, and I guess you know that's the way it goes. works work sometimes. Um, it was probably the most consistent of the three counter service restaurants that were there. Uh, And it was, I always found the food to be good. It was fun. And it, you know, because of the theming, it was always entertaining anyway. Um, And uh, now it's, it's the Playhouse Disney uh, site. So that's kind of interesting how they changed the area up completely. The catwalk bar was sort of an upstairs area that had bar drinks. I went up there once to check it out and took in the view, but I don't even recall getting a drink. It was just, uh, it was nice. And it was interesting and kind of Um, Interesting the way they served alcohol there, since the Magic Kingdom doesn't serve alcohol. I always thought that was kind of funny and odd and quirky in a way. Uh, Let's see. Then you had a Hollywood and Vine, which was a buffeteria, Um, so sort of a cafeteria style. Uh, Disney calls it the buffeteria, so it's sort of a buffet where you pick up things and you just kind of pay at the end. Uh, And it had a couple of barbecued menu items. Um, I remember the ribs. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, man, I'm going to get ribs, and they're going to be good, and it really wasn't that good. It was just okay, Um, but they weren't bad. It was just not what I was hoping for, and you had Min and uh, and Bill's Dockside Diner, which is a little sandwich shop uh, that, if memory serves, was across from Gertie's. I think that's exactly where it was. Um, Their sandwiches weren't anything to write home about, but I was glad I uh, checked it out, and I was glad to soak up the atmosphere on a beautiful, like, October or early November day, it's just a great place to sit outside and enjoy the fresh air and watch the world go by. Now there were a number of sit-down restaurants that they had. Uh, first off, you had the Hollywood Brown Derby, which was modeled after the original Hollywood. I tried several times to get in, but got shut out a lot. It was kind of like it was kind of popular, and I wasn't really making advance reservations, which was kind of my fault. Um, I talked with a cast member who suggested that I book in advance, um, and, and this was a new feature at the time. This advanced dining thing. You used to walk up to any restaurant and you'd put in your name and they'd put you on the list and you'd be able to to get in there later. They were piloting something over in Epcot which was more like an advanced dining reservation thing where early in the day you could go and uh, request a table and I think they were piloting at that point the day before you could pilot you could go in and you could request a table Um, but now they were actually rolling it out to all their restaurants so at that point uh, it was something new and you couldn't really do truly advanced dining. I was trying to get in and, you know, trying to get my name on the list early in the day, but couldn't get in. So the cast member suggested I do that, and uh, that, was, uh, that, was, that worked out. I was able to get something, um, but uh, guess what? It was slated for shortly after my last meal with my dining partner, so I didn't go. Um, instead, I stopped with a friend of mine about the time the tour was winding down. I remember it being good but uh, not great. And with the other three choices, I decided it wasn't worth going back. I remember just going in there with a buddy of mine, and we just went, had a nice time, and the food was good. Just, uh, I liked the theming of the other three restaurants better. The uh, second one was Mama Melrose's Ristorante Italiano, and it was delicious. Um, I remember uh, them having some really good dishes, Um, but the brick oven pizza was outstanding. I think I've mentioned before that I like brick oven pizza. I like something, um, some of these pizzas that are not cooked in just a standard pizza oven. Um, I like the coal-burning ones the best, but brick oven's a pretty good second. Um, and that was worth going back for just to get the pizza. Um, and you know, being the movie studio, everyone was hamming it up. So they were in, you were in Mama Melrose's and they would just ham it up. They would be having a great time, just having some fun you know, telling stories or you know, being your good Italian friend or whatever and just really having some fun with it. So that always made it kind of worthwhile to go back in there. Now the next two restaurants on the list here are some of my all-time Disney favorites. Now I've got a few favorites around the whole of Walt Disney World. These are two of them. First one was the 50's Primetime Cafe. Um, At the time I was doing my tour of the world, my quest for food, this was my second favorite restaurant in terms of overall experience, theme, food, and service. What I enjoyed most was the theming. You were in a 1950's kitchen with a black and white television on the table tuned to a 50's classic TV show. And there was extreme attention to details as the Imagineers went off and found items that were uh, around in the 1950s, from the actual dishes and plates to view masters and placed them throughout the restaurant. I always felt like I was in someone's house and even though there was a lot of other diners there, it always kind of felt like that and it was kind of fun. It made it just a little bit more interesting than what you might what you might see elsewhere. Now, I wasn't around in the 50s, but this is what I imagined the 50s was like and what my parents told me it was like. So that kind of gives me a feel for it and I felt pretty good about that. The food was the staple of the 1950s dinner fair. Things like uh, roast chicken, pot roast, meatloaf and things like that. Everything came with veggies and uh, there are malts and burgers if you prefer. prefer. And then there's the service. You're always served by mom or dad or some close relative such as Aunt Sally or uh, whoever and they all really got into the characters. The costuming is great, with the 50s-era clothing on display, the housewife dress, dress, for example, on the waitresses, and it all adds to the feel of the place. But best of all, they acted the part. Mom may may be your server, and she'll tell you, take your elbows off the table or sit up straight. She'll look at your plate, and and if you didn't eat your vegetables, she might get animated and tell you you can't have dessert unless you finish them off. It was just fantastic. I always love that. You go in there, and you just have that sort of fun meal where you're just having fun with the cast members and they are just loving it because they're able to act in a way that's completely appropriate and yet they're just having a good time it's so much fun um i found it to be like a trip down memory lane for memories that never actually happened to me because i'm younger than that but it was fun um and it gave you sort of a feeling of dining at home sort of kind of it was really pretty neat I loved eating here and did it many times, um, until I moved away in 1994. And uh, you know, the surprising thing, I haven't been back there since then. I guess in some ways, for me, I don't want to find out that it's changed and be disappointed by it. I'd rather have this memory of something that was really fun and I really enjoyed, and just keep that as a, a fond memory. Because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go in there and something's going to have changed. The menu will have changed. The, um, something about the servers will have changed something, and it'll just kind of disappoint me in some way. So, um, but I I know, I'll go in there at some point and uh, see if it lives up to my expectations. It was just one of those fun restaurants that I really, really liked. And then finally, you had the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater. This was by far, at the time, my favorite restaurant on Disney property. There was always something that I loved about this restaurant. Maybe it's the Sci-Fi nature of it, maybe it's the 50s era kitsch that I liked. The servers on roller skates are possibly just the ambiance of watching a, you know, some of these trailers for old movies. Whatever it might have been, this was my favorite place to dine for many years. At one point, the food was all drive-in fare, then it went a little more upscale, and now it's somewhere in between. You arrive and are shown to your car. It's a little replica of a 50s-era car that you sit in. Your table is part of the car itself. Um, now, I've heard from more robustly appointed people that it might be a little tight, and I'll I see what they're saying. You know, I've sat with other people and they're, they're like, oh, this is a little tight. But I never had a problem with it. I'm not um, particularly uh, large, so it, it really wasn't a problem for me. Um, if you're not lucky enough to get a car, you sit at a picnic table in the back, which I also like. I think that's kind of neat because it feels like you're outdoors. And they put it in such a way um the, the theater itself is set up to look like you're outside and it's nighttime. The Imagineers did a good job of giving it that feel. Um, If you're lucky enough to have ever been to a drive-in movie, this certainly does remind you of being at one. And I am lucky enough to have been at at several in my life. I know there aren't many around anymore, but it was just one of those things that is very memorable in its own way. Um, The servers are all very nice and are just having fun. They've seen the film loop a bazillion times and have certain points at which they'll interact or react to what's being shown on the screen. And that's always kind of fun. Oh no, something happens. The food was always good though on a trip about maybe a little over a year ago, I noticed it was also a little pricey, but I still loved the experience had a really great time and uh that was probably one of my that was my favorite place to eat at the time. I just loved that restaurant it was just it was just so cool and uh it was it was a really neat place to eat so that rounds out the studios now this is where the whole experience gets even a little more tricky so Back in uh, 1990, the Swan and the Dolphin opened, or they opened for business. I kind of put opened in quotes because they weren't quite completed, but they were open for business, and there was still more to come. Um, One distinct memory I have was wandering into some very large ballrooms, my friend doing cartwheels across the floor. We were the only people there, and I wondered how they would have have used up all that space uh, at the time. Now I can see that they use it very well, thank you. It was an amusing time to me because the hotel was still so empty and uh, in its mostly complete state, there was a lot of space in it. Um, I imagine you can't find empty space like that. You probably see people in it all the time now. Um, I know there are a lot of conventions that wind up there. So what I realized was um, this was getting really tricky. The the plan was to go to every restaurant, but now the Swan and Dolphin had maybe six restaurants between them at opening time. We ate at all of them, but... Yeah, you know, none were really all that memorable. Um, they were all restaurants on Disney property, um, so they fell into the criteria of eating to all the restaurants at Disney property. But they were more like hotel restaurants in any hotel in a large in a large sense. I mean, they, the theming wasn't as spectacular, the food wasn't as good. It just kind of missed something. And more importantly, at least one of them changed themes after we ate there before you know the restaurant the hotel really got going. And many more opened over the next year or so. So now the challenge got greater because we had to go back to the restaurant we'd already been at. Um, because now it was something else, and there were more restaurants opening, so it got really challenging. And that's when I got clued in that we might not be able to complete this task, not as we set it out. New restaurants are added, some close, some change over time, some are open seasonally, different things like that. Um, But that didn't deter us from trying. We kept trying and kept going to different restaurants and getting to as many as we could that were open at the time. You know, you you set out on a quest and you want to complete it, and that's what we did. so under the rules that we set out that uh, we weren't going to go back to, the ho- to those um, restaurant, uh, restaurants that were in the hotels there, we hit all six, and I thought that was pretty good. Now, one thing I can tell you about the food in Walt Disney World is that I think it lives up to Walt's promise that it wouldn't be about things you could find anywhere. He wanted it to be different and somewhat unique, and this applied to the castle as much as the food. And for the most part, I, I thought it always has. Um, now, the couple of notable exceptions I'd make. At some point, the company, and whoever was the CEO at the time before, made a decision to partner with McDonald's. They allowed for the building of a bona fide restaurant on property along with a stretch along a stretch of Disney's roads. Um, you know, I think that personally, just a personal opinion, I think that looks out of place there. It doesn't belong there. Um, and that's, you know, neither here nor there. That's the company's business. It's just a personal opinion. But more importantly, they started selling McDonald's products in the theme parks. So... You know, I know it was mainly the um, fries and chicken nuggets, but it seemed to be building to something more. And that was a concern because it strayed from the vision. You can find McDonald's on every street corner. And whatever I think about that doesn't really matter. I, I have no problem with it being outside Disney World. It's the nature of business and it's all about free enterprise and more power to them. But at Disney, the object is to get away from the experience and have new things that you experience. You know, so you're seeing something different. This isn't the everyday. This is somewhere where you can go to escape reality. And McDonald's is reality. Um, So I, you know, I I was a little troubled by that when they started opening them because they started opening them around the time that we were doing the tour. And I was like, hey, this isn't quite right, wait a minute. Now, I know that they're starting to close some of these restaurants and outlets and, you know, um, you're starting to see them disappear. And I I think that's probably a good thing in the long run. And they're putting in more themed dining areas that do live, live up to the vision. And for that, I have to applaud the company for doing the right thing by the vision and making it special and different. You know, and I'd also give a similar nod to Coca-Cola and Visa um, with their agreements in the parks. There are subtle ads for them in a lot of places. Um, you know, there's things going on and you see a lot of Coke, Coca-Cola, and you see the Visa ads and stuff. And, I, you know, I similarly object to that because you're brought back to reality rather than stepping away into the fantasy land of it all. But, you know, I understand it. And that's... Because it's not food-related, that's probably a topic for another day. But it was just interesting to me how that uh, how the company has evolved in some ways. All right. And given where we are now, I'm going to take a pause here and end this podcast. And we'll pick it up again next week and talk about some of the other um, restaurants and things on Disney property. And we still have Epcot to do, of course, so we'll get back to that in a little while. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you. You can, of course, always find my podcast on iTunes under Dave's Disney View, um, or feel free to visit my website at davesdisneyview.shorturl.com. And I'm hoping to uh, to bring you some more great podcasts in the future, some things I hope you like, but please do email me anytime at davesdisneyview at gmail.com and let me know what you think or something you'd like to hear more about. And that's my show for this week. I am out. I'll see you. We've reached our destination in the 21st century. And I know, it went by so fast. But don't worry, the future is always in front of us. Hey, thanks for joining me on Dave's Disney View podcast for this week. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to email me at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Now, gather your personal belongings and step off onto the moving platform. The platform and your car are moving at equal and opposite speeds. The music you're hearing on this podcast is actually from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. You can check him out at reverbnation.com/sounda as an Apple or myspace.com/sounda. Craig does a number of different things. Uh, this particular piece is called a major suspension, suspended glory. So please do check him out, and we thank Craig for his music.